The winner of Trans Theory will receive a sickening supply of makeup from NYX Cosmetics. And a cash prize of $100,000. Hi, I'm Yero. Hi, I'm Ash. And today our topic for the podcast is lateral violence, intracommunity violence from one trans person to another. Yeah. So what is lateral violence? So Jane Middleton Moss in 1999 coined the term lateral violence. And this term, it describes the internalization. So internalization is when you believe uh, um, something that is oppressive. So it's the internalization of oppression that leaves us in a state of shame. And the shame is a sense of never being good enough. And this is um, quoting an article from um, Susie, uh, Susie good- Goodleaf and Wanda G- Gabriel. Um, and the article is The Front Light of Revitalization Influences Impacting Aboriginal Helpers. So we use, um, so lateral violence is not only for trans people, it is, it's happening in a lot of oppressed communities too. Um, and lateral violence, how would you say it manifests itself, Yarrow, in our community? Um, well, I think the unfortunate thing is that a lot of trans people are looking for a safe space and they go to trans communities online a lot of the time or in person. And a lot of trans people have experienced a lot of trauma and have a lot of big emotions jumping inside of them, a lot of emotional instability, emotional dysregulation, a lot of- A lot of shame, let's say it, a A shame. Yeah, a lot of shame. a lot of anxiety, depression, like just um, very, uh, a lot of things that are limiting their capacity to like be present and kind and empathetic and patient. And so you often see, unfortunately, in these same in these in these same spaces that are supposed to be like the safe places for trans people to go that's often where we end up getting really badly hurt by other trans people who you know are taking out all their shit on on us i want to make something you know very clear for the listeners here so lateral violence is a concept that w- that is introduced to not individualize violence too, as in this concept is relating to violence in a way that is systemic. That means it comes from systems of oppression. That means that trans people are doing that to other trans people, not because they're, they would do that in they wouldn't do that in a state that they wouldn't be oppressed. They do that because cisgender people give them a hard time, make them feel shame. And in order to make themselves feel make themselves feel better, to give themselves a sense of worth sometimes. And even when like someone is trying to help them, they're gonna they're not gonna at- attack other tr- other cis people. 
they're going to attack what they feel is reachable, what is something in their scope uh, in terms of power um, relations, right? Mm. And so they're going to try, uh, sometimes it can, it can be something like, to raise their self of sense uh, of self-esteem they're going to put down some other trans person by you know making them feel shame and you know making them look worse than they actually do um even when they have said something that can be very little mhm yeah it's like um who can you hurt it's who you have power over and who do you have power over it's often the people who are the most vulnerable so rather than you know attacking the the targets that are the most powerful and that do the most harm we attack the people who are you know the the weakest the 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 most hurt the most wounded mm-hmm. um and the most susceptible to being hurt more Um, and the most at risk for all kinds of like mental health problems and other bad outcomes. Yeah. And I observe a lot in, you know, the trans community that lateral violence, like we were talking um, on the last episode, is happening a lot when we talk about injustices, not even related to our own sometimes. Um But oftentimes it is about oppression and oftentimes it is about like someone doing something that is morally in the group considered like unethical or not moral, like immoral. Um, and it might be like just so, you know, it's, it's just a shortcoming. It's just like, a little mistake sometimes and it takes like disproportionate um you know um like yeah it's just disproportionate sometimes Mm -hmm. and i would say almost all time at all times it's very disproportionate to what the to what it could actually be and so lateral violence is a good explanation of the high levels of infighting in our own communities. So in order to actually overcome our oppressions, instead of focusing on the fact that, you know, we're in the same boat, we're suffering together on this on the basis of the same oppression, we fight other people but we're also losing our energy at the same time. And this lateral violence, I think is one of the reasons why it's so hard to liberate our own selves. So what I mean by that is, you know, when we're so busy fighting inside our own groups, we don't spend that same amount of energy fighting the oppressions that is keeping us in that situation and that is actually causing the lateral violence and it's a, it's a very vicious circle so you're bringing up like like one one common issue is like very strict moral policing where there's sort of a um a 
disproportionate uh, response to to like the infraction. It's almost like if someone says something quote unquote problematic, um, it's almost like rather than there being a scale of how problematic it is from one to 10 and a scale of severity of response from one to 10, it's like everything is treated as a 10 in, in badness. And the response is like a 10 in harshness, like most of the time or Mm -hmm. all of the time. Yeah. Also the response is um, more often than not in my experience and, and what I've seen around me is rather than, like really a kind, warm attempt to like educate or correct someone. It's like almost always like very harsh and like very, um, very angry and hostile and like casting a lot of, a lot of blame. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about the the moral aspect, you know, or little shortcomings that we have sometimes, little mistakes we do. But, you know, in communities, especially, for example, over Facebook or, you know, any, you know, caring community uh, for transgender, diverse and non-binary people. Well, you know, there are people in those communities that pay the high price for the the high price high cost for empathizing with um the pain of others and 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 that can also um trigger lateral violence what do you mean by that so when someone's in pain and that happens a lot with um, helpers. So there could be a social worker, for example, me. Um, Well, I'm not a social worker. I'm not allowed to say that yet, but I'll be it in a month. Um, But if you want to help someone or even on the Facebook community, if you are trying to empathize with them, sometimes they're going to come back at you and they're gonna be like, I don't want your pity. Mm. You're you're trying to do too much for me. It's like the in it, what we talked about is like the internalization of oppression, right? It's like sometimes they even internalize that they should be this way, mm. and that you trying to help them mm. is like a trigger, mm. and it triggers lateral violence, and. A related topic on that is that for a lot of helpers, it really triggers um, them sometimes because, you know, you're like, I'm trying my best. And I have an example that happened to me quite recently where I had someone and I, I did the world to like to help them to, to like emp- like try to empower them. Sometimes I would get a message over mail a week later that would be sometimes full of insults or um, very, you know, not fun to read at all. 
And so that, for the people who in our communities care, care a lot, it can create, um, I don't know if you're familiar with a, a vicarious trauma. It's, it's kind of like a, a compassion exhaustion. And, mm. and, and it, it actually like is a trauma because it makes you think that there's nothing to do. You internalize your turn that it's helpless. And it actually changes the way your brain is wiring. In that way, it's a trauma. Um, and so it's kind of very hard to get out of that dynamic where even if you're trying to help someone who's very much like, like has like internalized transphobia, for example, well, it might be a call the sack sometimes. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's like this again is like an example of how um, the mental health burden that trans people have the the burden of internalized transphobia of internalized shame can often get taken out on each other like other people in our own community yeah and, and how these safe spaces these spaces that are supposed to be safe can often be where we end up getting hurt over and over, yeah. which really sucks because, um, you know, often often for trans people, um, like for myself, it, there was definitely a time where I found it very hard to trust anyone. Um, yeah. And I, for a time I felt like really in a lonely and scary place because couldn't I couldn't trust cis people because there was just systemic transphobia and it was so hard to, to get away from that. But then around trans people, um, I just kept getting hurt over and over again with like a lot of these same patterns happening over and over where it seemed like all the trans people I was interacting with were so on edge that like I was walking on eggshells around them and like, like no matter what I did sooner or later, something would happen and they would snap and they would, really hurt me and and start to see me as the enemy and like stop talking to me or like work to exclude me or um yeah so it can be very um I read an essay I forget the the author's name but the the title is hot allostatic load um it's written by a trans feminine person who wrote about her experiences of uh lateral violence in in queer communities and feminist communities um some of it some of it lateral violence some of it uh from cis people um yeah and i really relate that's that's a a great essay that i recommend the listeners go read because it really for me expressed the feeling of desperation and helplessness that you can feel when you feel Mm. like the broader world is not safe for people like you. Exactly. And then your own, even your own community of people like you is not safe for you either. Exactly. So let's talk about these communities, right? My experience um, is, is most, uh, mostly on Facebook. As some of the listeners might know, I was the moderator and the administrator, administrator of... Um, of a face a trans Facebook support group, um, which end up imploding. 
um, because I was just absolutely unsafe. I actually decided to rip out the group, and I actually think that was a great decision. Um, but let's um, <laughs> um, let's talk about the dynamic within, and so those um, there, there's a point where you come out, and these groups are so useful. You come out, you don't know anything, you don't know anything. There's no other people like you that you know in real life, like in, in person sometimes. That, that's the case for a lot of trans people, and especially trans youth who come out. Um, and there comes a time where you learn a lot and you like these spaces and then whoop, you, for example, I, well, I posted at, at some point on another group um, that I had a bad experience at a medical clinic. Mm. Um, I bet you remember pretty well. Um, <laughs> so I had a very bad experience at a medical clinic that is supposed to be transaffirmative. And that was advertising itself or other trans people were advi advertising it. Um, that clinic as transaffirmative, but um, I was just, you know, writing this open letter to trans people and saying, like, you know, you might want to reconsider, uh, reconsider just, you know, referring other trans, especially non-binary people, there, because the experiences I've had were that um, they were not transaffirmative; they were pretty much gatekeepers and well it was a whole shenanigan it was a whole you know very hard moment for in my life when I got out of there twice I had two doctors there every time I got out of there I was in a suicidal crisis um and I posted that letter saying that it was it was awful um, and it was the most aggravating medical experience I've ever had in my entire life. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was told I was not trans. Um, quote unquote, um, the person said, I only, I only help trans people. Um, Implying that you're not trans. Exactly. Like, I can't help you because I only help trans people. That's exactly what he said. Um, and well, the first one, so that was the second one. The first one said that before proceeding, they wanted my mental health records. And, and to me, that triggered so much shame. And I was like, what does my mental health have to do with that? Like my mental health is affected right now because I'm not having <laughs> HRT like yeah. hormone replacement therapy um, and so I posted that um, so that was a little vulnerable moment for y'all um, the moment I posted that I had f at least five people saying like very rude things to me saying that I am campaigning to um, 
like destroy the reputation of this clinic uh, and some were offended because they got help from there and I was like I was not commenting on your experience there. I am, mm. and I even said that at the end of, of I I wrote that at the end of the letter, and I was like, "This is my experience. This has nothing to do with yours, and it's okay if you had a different one." But people, regardless, I feel like they didn't even read that, and yeah. were like going off on me, and you know, just it was exhausting. And some, some were like saying, uh, some were like attacking me, like rudely, just almost, ins almost or even insulting me, like saying I am, I'm probably stupid because that is impossible. Um, oh my god. Yeah, that was awful. Um, and some of those things were actually not in like the like some comments were actually taken down because they were outright like not um, good for Facebook's um, you know policy. But um, some of the comments I had in private messaging, too. Hmm. Um, and it was the most painful experience of my life. I thought. After I got a lot of support too, but I wasn't expecting at all. I was just, you know, I just came out to myself about like a year ago and I was, I was like in a crisis and I'm a, I was, let's say it, I was in a mental health crisis. I was not doing good. I was like suicidal, like every day for almost eight months. It was awful. Um, and so that was a very adverse moment. And this is a good example of lateral violence. You're trying to get help. You're trying to get val validation. You're trying to just get people's empathy. And what you get is violence and abuse and mean things about you and they get per personal very personal yeah yeah that reaction when people say well i didn't experience this so you couldn't have and you're saying you experienced this but you couldn't have so there must be something wrong with your perception like you must be stupid you must be delusional yeah. or um you know, uh, you must, or maybe you're lying and you have a bad motive. You're trying to ruin the reputation of these doctors yeah. because, you know, why else would someone make this stuff up? Which I know can't possibly be true because it didn't happen to me. So it couldn't have happened to you. Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, there's a special dynamic in, um, there's a very special dynamic in the trans community as we know they are different. Um, gender modalities as in like cisgender is a gender modality transgender is a gender modality and what woman is you know a gender identity and trans is you know the modality of it um, so we'll maybe touch on that later um, to another episode but basically there's a lot of different trans people in, in the community as they're you know non-binary people yeah. And they're so binary like, so, trans people. Yeah, so binary is a gender modality and non-binary is a gender modality. 
Uh, right? Trans is well, binary is not a gender modality. It's but like trans binary is a gender modality, and then trans non-binary is a gender modality. Uh, I don't want to like really put myself on that ground now. I don't. Okay, th- but that's yeah. sort of what you're getting at, like that that there's a difference between the experience of trans binary and trans people yeah. and non-binary trans. Exactly. People. So there are different experiences, um, and. A lot of the people commenting that that this can be true were either trans men and trans women, but so, binary yeah. trans. Yeah, and it and a lot of the there were people who came, you know, to help me and say, you know, like people maybe you wanna reconsider your argument because your experience is obviously gonna be different. Yeah, um, Ash is actually non-binary and. Non-binary people ex- experience, um, a you know, some other kind of oppression within the transgender oppression, right? Like so, when that doctor said, "I don't, uh, like you're not trans," like I assume that was because he didn't see non-binary people as being like legitimately trans, right? Um, I would say yes and no, as in. My expectation was, um, I think we talked about that in the first episode, as in my first expectation was, I want estradiol, I want estrogen, I really, really need it. You know, I really wanted to be um, accurate as, um, you know, I'm I'm like that. Uh, (laughs) I mean... I don't know if it's because I'm autistic, but I can't, when I try to, you know, tell my experience, I tell it truthfully. I don't try to hide things. I'm a very open book about it. And I really wanted to get, I I thought that, you know, being truthful would be a reward. I thought that, you know. With the doctor. Yeah, exactly. Um, So why do you think, like, what did he hear that he didn't want to hear? He, he didn't want to hear that I didn't want um, a breast, basically breasts, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like, breast would make me feel dysphoric, uh, gender dysphoric, mm. as in, like, I would experience gender dysphoria if I if I had them. But good news, I I had a mastectomy. Um, right, so he <laughs> had such a limited understanding of non-binary people that he didn't understand that someone could um, be trans and want hormones as part of a medical transition but not want to develop breasts as part of that transition exactly he was like if you're like if you're trans and you're taking estrogen you gotta want titties or else you're not trans like that's how narrow his idea was exactly and i think it's because even though he understood he understood what non-binary meant Mm. his expectations for non-binary people Mm. were still very binary very dualistic Mm. Um, as in, no matter what, you gotta accept what comes with the medication. And it's like, even that, I was explaining to a lot of trans people in the comments, and it was just, no explanation was good enough. Mm -hmm. It was never, ever, ever, Mm -hmm. ever, ever good enough. And I wonder what stories they were making up in their heads. Like, what was the story they were telling themselves 
that made this post so threatening for them. Like, mm-hmm. like um, they had the image of these doctors as um, saviors, as like great people who like really helped them and they liked them a lot. And it was upsetting to hear that the doctors had hurt somebody. Uh, hurt someone trans so badly and in such a unjust way. Maybe that was what felt threatening to them, or like who knows. But like, yeah, I, I there must have been something that felt to them for them to like lash out this way in such a extreme manner. There must have been something like what they heard was threatening. Yeah, it must. There must have been something threatening about what you said. Yeah, um, and it's not necessarily a objective because objectively I wasn't threatening mm-hmm. anyone mm-hmm. in fact all I wanted was to get some validation as a baby trans person yeah and it's victim blaming it's yeah. like yeah it felt very like that as in you know I am the one experiencing a hardship right now um would you mind just stopping your accusations um, yeah. and, and listen to what I needed in this. And what you said to me um, was, re- was very compelling, as in it's, it's interesting to frame it as what, what was their need? Um, what was the story going on in their head? And truthfully, I can never know. But my hunch is, is, is really that, you know, they see these doctors as saviors mm. as there are so few of them in Quebec. Mm. Uh, spe- like in Montreal, there's just so few, but amount, it, like compared to like the amount of doctors that we have, if we compare in percentage, but imagine um, like the amount of trans affirmative doctors in Quebec, in, like in the province of Quebec in general, it, there are so few of them, right? But it's like we idolize them. Mm-hmm. We we make them our idols, and they're like they're they're saviors. And wow, this trans person is like coming for them. Like, are they gonna stop doing it? What I wasn't coming for them. I was telling my experience, and I feel that what they were hearing was that I was attacking the clinic, mm-hmm. when in fact I was trying to open a discussion mm-hmm. on what it means to be trans affirmative and what it means to actually be a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so for those who don't know what a gatekeeper is, it, the gatekeeping in the community is restraining or refusing trans people hormones just because with your cisgender expectations, the, the trans or non-binary person doesn't meet those criteria. And, and and those are very subjective and very cisnormative. I would say Ashley uh, would say that... Who? A- uh, Florence Ashley would say that gatekeeping hormone therapy is, is destructive and dehumanizing. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and so I just wanted to bring up as our last topic, our last subtopic under the topic of lateral violence... Is there anything you can think of for um, community leaders, either formal or informal leaders, um, or people in trans communities, people who are creating them or 
maintaining them, moderating them. What what suggestions can we give people about what to do about lateral violence, how to prevent it, how to address it when it happens? Like, like do we have any ideas about, you know, solutions for lateral violence? Um, as a um, student in social work, you're not going to be surprised to hear me say this is a systemic issue, hence it needs a systemic response. Um, to me, it, it means that an oppression is also like the person is not being recognized, so there's no recognition of the identity and what it means to be trans socially with like the government and whatever, like they don't really recognize us. And the second is that there is no redistribution of wealth um, to answer those needs being recognized. And so to me, it's a matter of a community, not a personal responsibility. Mm. Um, it's a matter of we need to really try to breathe trying to find solutions to just be in the moment and, and understand we need to understand collectively that we're not against each other in this we're all in this together and then if if we want to you know overcome our situation we need to organize we need to let the government know our needs and know that we need to be recognized and ask for money so that trans people's mental health can actually be addressed because right now and i am saying this but just a few days ago there was a trans child who is 10 years old who took their own life and that and that child is was a non-binary person at 10 years old and this really shows this situation because it was not in the media at all. It was on social media, but I didn't, I, I watch the news quite frequently on TV and that specific news was not on there. We are flying under the radar only because we are trans. And um, it needs to be addressed. And if so, if, if, trans people's mental health goes better well then we can assume that in our communities that we are trying to help each other it's going to get better it's going to get better exponentially because we are when we come out almost are if we don't have a supporting family we're our own support mm. and we need to and we need to take what we need mm. and we need to let let it be known that mm. it's an issue well i would say that um to anyone who's like trying to organize a community out there for trans people um i would say a big step would just be for more trans people participating in these communities to recognize lateral violence as a big problem that affects I think every trans community I've had experience with and really you know the first step to to addressing a problem is just acknowledging it mm -hmm. and then I think um, 
in terms of guidelines and and social norms for the for these groups and communities about lateral violence i think there's a lot of a lot of things that you could do um for example um educating about nonviolent communication and encouraging people to use that mm-hmm. um you know even when someone is lashing out if a third party someone who's not not the one lashing out or the person receiving that if they could take that person aside and and or like message them privately or whatever it is and and say um like you seem really upset about this like is there something you want to talk about is there something i can help with and sort of like treating them like opening up with with care and concern and empathy yeah. um rather than not necessarily continuing the cycle by being by like lashing out at them or banning them immediately yeah yeah um and 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 you could like you could take down their comment you know if you're a moderator or, or like whatever it, whatever the situation is but um I think it's preferable also if you tell them beforehand that you take down their comment that you will do it and it's not to like you know say yeah. that they're they're a bad person or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so because like we know a lot of this is like a lot of this is pain that's manifesting in an inappropriate and unjust way and unfair way towards other people and so understanding that like pain is at the root of this like if we can have um make a habit out of of uh showing care and concern and yeah there's 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 lots of i could i definitely think that the norms of a lot of communities could be if they understood lateral violence was a problem and they understood more about healthy communication and emotional regulation and 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 how do you um uh you know talk to someone who's who's experiencing big feelings then we could have um you know communities with less harm in them yeah i would suggest also that what you're saying is a matter of resources too you know what is hard too and we need to recognize it is that trans people are also a com- like the trans community is a community with few resources too right um, and especially those who hold these groups are oftentimes, you know, trying to work to get a, mm-hmm. and it's, it's mm-hmm. a lot of work. Um, yeah. and what would be great as a suggestion is that we try to keep our groups with not too many people or like have someone at the top that is, you know, someone with, um, like training i would say or like who has a very like good ability to um to have empathy for people um and you know it's it's it all comes down to not rejecting the people that are doing this violence but also like trying to like you know be present with their pain and suffering like you were suggesting but it's again it's an ideal it's very hard to do, mm. and we, as a an ex moderator, myself, mm-hmm. I understand how hard that was. Yeah, and I am not right now in these communities anymore as as much as I used to. Um, and I would suggest to people, you know, these communities are here for you, especially when you come out especially when you have a lot of things going on, it's totally okay to use them. But I also suggest that people 
connect in real life. Yes, yes. Go connect yes. in real life. Yes, that's so important. Go connect and make your own little family. Yes. Like Yarrow is mine. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, I think it's the most wonderful thing you're ever going to do if you find that little community. You're going to grow so much more with them then you're ever going to grow if you stay years in these communities without ever getting in touch with a trans person in real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the tea. That's the tea. Yeah, totally. And um, so I guess uh, these communities need to um, find a trans therapists and social workers to lead them <laughs> and pay them for their time. <laughs> <laughs> fundraisers to uh you know make sure they're compensated <laughs> that's uh number one meet people in real life you know find your found family your chosen family yeah uh, f- find your chosen family and then uh hire therapists to run your facebook groups <laughs> <laughs> well that that's uh that's a matter of resources but i will also suggest to people that Sometimes it can be very beneficial to go and seek for um, community resources. And sometimes like they have therapists like I know at the Center for Sol- uh, Lesbian Solidarity, Le Centre de Solidarité Lesbienne, where in Montreal, I work yeah. at in Montreal, we can do, um, for example, um, tel- um, like video conferencing therapy um, or counseling um, for people. Um, and so with that being more available since the pandemic, um, I think reaching out to these community organizations, and I know that in regions it might be hard, and in other loca- locations too, but sometimes you have like free services, sometimes like at, um, um, to just name a few, like Réseau Santé, um, which is uh, for um, um, men who have sex with men who include also non-binary people and um, trans people, well, they for, have sessions, for example. Yeah, and for people not in uh, not in Quebec, I know there's a there's a site. This is not trans specific, but there's a site called Open Path Collective. I think it's openpathcollective.org, but just Google Open Path Collective, and it's not free, but it's a way to find affordable therapy. I think uh, I think in many different countries. So yeah, there. are there are many um, also sliding scales trans therapists that I know mm-hmm. of. Sometimes they're going to offer, like I'm probably going to do this too. They're uh, probably going to offer, you know, a pay what you can prize. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's some amazing therapists who will do that. And yeah. Often offer free services to um, to certain people. Yeah, look, look, look these services on, on, on Google. Therapy, I think, for anyone is... Therapy or counseling for anyone is um, so beneficial, especially knowing that trans people have a lot of trauma, mm-hmm. especially, like, um, developmental, developmental trauma or, um, you know, um, just PTSD sometimes, um, unsupporting family, yeah. So yeah. that that can be um, a very good solution. To, so so those are more individual solutions to, um, you know, lateral violence. But obviously, the goal is to get our needs recognized yeah. and addressed by our governments. Yeah. Yeah. And let's take care of each other. Let's heal. E- let's uh, 
heal with each other. Let's love each other. Um, yeah. And let's uh, let's organize together and and um, be a be a common force for for good and getting what we need as a community. And um, we'll definitely be more effective at that if we. Um, if we're able to trust each other and treat each other well and with kindness. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that's all for tonight, Yarrow. Yep. Um, that does it for this episode of Trans Theory. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. And uh, you'll hear from us next time.